0: This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and
1: absolutely everything else that goes with it.
0: Okay, guys, so we are back with another Non-Typical Nation podcast. Uh, We've got an exciting one for everybody today today we'll be speaking with the mastermind behind one of Western Canada's top hunting and outdoor trade shows. Um, we're also going to be talking about hunting accidents incidents and close calls. Uh, we put out a post on Facebook earlier yesterday and uh, we've got some incredible stories from everybody. Um, but before we get begin on that I've got Mr. Darren Wandy on the phone, the president of the Parkland Outdoor show. How's it going today Darren? It's going really well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you. You know, we attended the show last year, and it's the only uh, trade show that we've done in the last couple of years. Uh, we're going to attend it again this year, and we are very excited. It's a bit of a drive for me. I'm up in northern Alberta, um, but uh, we would not want to miss this one. There's a lot of fun stuff going on this year by the looks of things.
2: Yeah, we got uh, we got a lot of things planned, I guess. What makes us very unique for all the other shows that are out there is we're we're strictly an outdoor, an outdoor show. We're not, you know, we don't sell mops and fireworks and window blinds. We're we're specifically kind of right to, to that uh, specific genre. So that's that kind of puts us in a unique situation.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, You know, and that's what really attracted us. You know, um, we've got quite a few guys on our team and in our organization here. So a few of them were from Saskatchewan. They had attended the show uh, multiple times. And they said, you know, we we really got to do this one. And uh, I truly enjoyed it. It was worth the drive. It was worth the 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 few days we were there and you know it's not really a two-day thing like you got your kickoff party friday night um you got the trade show of course but then there's also a banquet um you guys have a 3d archery shoot you got the elk calling competition and there's a few other fun things you're doing this year that you haven't done before too right
2: yeah you know we we try to keep it fresh every year if uh you go back to the the same things over and over again it gets kind of stagnant. But yeah, we've got you know the, the, we try to complement a lot of different uh, you know the outdoor world has lots of different genres when it comes to fishing and hunting and trapping and so forth and whatever. But yeah, we got uh, West Coast lumberjacks coming this year. Uh, we have uh, you know they can come and throw throw an axe. Uh, we have some axe throwing happening. We got uh, some air rifle stuff happening with our Saskatchewan Shooting uh, Association. So there are going to be lots of live demos. And then we actually have a, a small stage from our big stage where our speakers are, and that's where all the live demonstrations happening. So last year we had, you know, a coyote skinning demonstration, and we did some stuff with live dogs, and uh, we did a, a smoker presentation where a guy did a couple of briskets. So we got some things on the on the go. Um, but the other things you mentioned are also, you know, things we like to keep up the the banquet and stuff like that. So just lots and see to do for everybody, and we've got lots of interesting things planned for this year again. So we're we're pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that banquet, we we really enjoyed that last year. Um, And yeah, we're looking forward to it again this year. So last year, you guys had Cody Robbins, Steve Eklund, Tim Wells. Um, In previous years, you guys had some pretty big names. What kind of, uh, you know, hunting celebrities have you had at this thing in the past?
2: Well, we've, from our first year, we we hit the ground running our first year. Um, You know, we had, we thought we'd keep it. Since we're such a small, you know, small organization starting nine years ago, we actually had a pretty star-studded event. Uh, you know, Cody. Cody was from the get-go; he was on, and and uh, you know, Jason Pearson. Um, you know, sent a praise out to him. Like, yeah. you know, he passed away last year. He was one of the guys that stepped up. Uh, Dean Partridge stepped up right away. Chad Morris, and then all of a sudden, Eva Shockey came. Uh, so wow. it kind of it kind of star-studded event kind of took off from that first year. Um, you know, we've had. You know, driven driven TV has been there with Pat Nicole. Um, You know, we've had all sorts of. (laughs) You know, when you think back to it, you know, you have Eichler and all these guys that come to the show. uh, Guys you see on TV, guys who you think you know that are celebrity stardom uh, in the outdoor world. So we've had a a pretty good mix of those type of people, and then we try to mix in uh, some of our local people that, you know, maybe they don't have that celebrity status on TV, but in our area they're considered to be. You know they're they're considered to be an expert um, and that's going to happen this year we've got some uh, what we're going to call a trapping round table and Richard and Sandy Mellon from Trappers Inc are going to be the host of that and we've got some star-studded local uh, people that are master trappers that are going to have that um, you know one-on-one kind of talk they're going to have some issues that people can talk or say, you know, ask for some advice. And we've got some of these local people that are going to be there. And then we have Les Johnson joining those folks up on stage. And Les has been a, a long-time supporter of our show. And he's coming back this year to talk about some Predator stuff on that on that uh, hot that hot seat. So, yeah, you know, it's it's just to keep it, keep it fresh, try to, you know, reach out and touch some different genres when it comes to the outdoors and um, want people to come back every year because there's something different every year, right? So...
0: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who, who will travel, you know, five, six, four, eight <laughs> hours to come to the show because <laughs> or, co- or come from a different country, yeah. Y- yeah, you know, I, and I'm sure you've, you've heard all about that. But it's it's not just the trade show, like you said, right? There's all of this additional um, classes and uh, round tables and then, you know, the banquet and that archery shoot. Tell me a little bit about that archery shoot and what, what's all uh, entailed with that and who hosts well, that.
2: We we try to get the local archery group involved in and they've they've taken taken it over, and, and basically what we do is all the money that's made at that archery shoot goes back to that club. Um, you know, Parkland Outdoor Show in general is a nonprofit organization that raises money for youth archery and youth outdoor-related activities. Um, what we tried to do is, you know, make that event there. So we'll pay for the rental, of the facility. We'll come up with some prizes. Uh, they help us out with running a 50-50. And then in return, we let them keep all the profit that's made out of that. Wow. And basically, they take over uh, one of the uh, buildings at the uh, Agribition Place, that it's held and we set up a course and you know and one night they go and they set it up uh, usually it's the thursday or friday night they go set up the course and then we used to have two venues and we've we narrowed it down to one one good one and uh, we got people that come, they come from all over the place and we're we like to try to grow that in some aspect there's you know in canada there's there's a couple of big shoes and we'd really like to try to grow it to that status where we come up with you know, some really good, decent prizes, but right now it's, it's a family event. A lot of people come out with their kids and they come and shoot it and they travel a lot. You know, there's a kind of a following at that 3d thing that happens Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, those people usually travel to the event. It's getting more and more popular every year that we do it. So, yeah, it's a good fundraiser for the local archery club. And, you know, they've they just recently purchased a, a building where they, they shoot in, you know, some of the profit that they make through that sh- show or show goes to them to, uh, to help with that building and pay for expenses
0: there. So, wow, that's awesome. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of people listening who love the 3D archery. Can anybody come and shoot? Do they got to register ahead of time? How does that work?
2: You know what, uh, There's there. they can get a hold of us, see this through our Facebook page, and we'll put them in contact with the, the person that actually runs the event. Okay. But uh, they, can, they can come that day and sign up. Um, I'm not, I, I don't know the ins and outs too too well of how the archery thing works, but I know that they can come shoot and they sign up for a time, and then it's ran right over the two days, and they, they there's a penciled event that they can come and shoot their times. And then at the same time, obviously, we have our trade show uh, expo going on. And, um, you know, basically people will shoot, and then they'll – you know two of the two of the expo or two of the, the speakers and then they'll go back again and and, and you know taking another round and then they'll come back inside and they'll listen to some other speakers or you know if it's uh lumberjack guys we have going on or whatever but people make it a week it's funny because we have people who carve this out and they book their holidays around it they'll come down the facility we're in has a you know an awesome pool so they'll come bring their families. The kids and maybe mom will go to the pool and dads will come to the show and they'll, they'll buy a banquet table and they come to the banquet for a good meal and the fundraiser and then the next day they come back again so it's it's pretty exciting to, to see people actually making a an annual thing out of this um because like to be honest with you there is no event like it that's purely an outdoor uh, exhibition
0: no exactly and that's why it's so high on our list like you know, I've got two kids. I've got a wife, um, and and it's tough finding a sitter. So they're coming with us. We've got uh, the grandparents who are going to be watching them, but having that pool there too is just like that's going to be perfect. There's a hotel yep. right across the street. Um, now, if you're coming, I suggest book your hotel soon because it is going to be a busy weekend. But there are a few in Yorkton, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, um, usually
2: during our weekend, they they book up
0: pretty quick all the okay. hotels
2: in town. So if you're gonna if you're planning on coming to Yorkton. And uh, like I like to tell people, getting into the, getting into the uh, show is cheap of, shaped like borscht. So, you know, you can, you can pay at the door, but if you're planning on
0: coming and making a weekend of it, you better get your hotels booked because it, it packs up pretty quick. Yeah, without a doubt. Eric had a question here.
1: Sure. Hey Darren. So tell me a little bit more about this elk calling competition. Do you know who's putting it on? Um, can anybody enter? It's the same sort of questions we had about the archery shoot.
2: Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, we've been thinking about doing something like this for a little while, um, and what we want to try to get to is to get to uh, an event that maybe brings out some of the, the pros as well. So this this particular year was their first year. We're going to have some help from uh, Smith Game Calls. They've stepped up to to run it. Um, you know, the, the folks at Smith Game Calls uh, is a master caller. He's been to some of these things, and he knows the ins and outs, and he's taking it on to... To run it. Uh, we have uh, some of our celebrity guests. Uh, Dieter Caboth, uh is a uh, also a world-class out-caller. He's going to be on the panel of judges. And then Marcus Simons, who is a Cabela Pro Staff, uh, is coming down. And Marcus doesn't give himself enough credit. He's a city police officer in Regina. But in his uh, past life, he was a professional guide. And his numbers, his statistical numbers, that he, the amount of elk he's called in uh, that are over 300 plus is well, is, is staggering. So he's going to sit on that, uh, that, that as well. And uh, we're just about to launch the, uh, um, the link on our webpage and our Facebook page for people to sign up. Uh, we have some different categories for it. It's not a professional calling contest at this point uh but anybody can sign up and then what we'll do is they'll they'll sign up for their categories and uh we're not going to charge anything we're hoping that people come out for the first year and and see what it's like and uh i know smith game calls has um they're going to provide some prizes and stuff for people but that that is an art in itself when you're we're calling elk uh that is definitely an art and we're hoping that it'll attract some you know attract the crowd and some people come out and try it
1: yeah you got that right elk calling is definitely uh definitely an art and it's it's great that you guys are bringing like people on the professional side of things to you know the youth and you're really bringing the youth of the community and communities from everywhere into your show and really integrating youth in the outdoors well you know like i
2: read i was just reading a statistic today it was uh in regina for a doctor's appointment and uh they're saying there's there's less and less people in the outdoors and and if isn't It isn't for the, you know, us generation right now. If it's, you know, your my dad and grandparents and and my brothers and stuff taking our kids out and and trying these things uh, and experiencing it, we're not going to have anybody to fall in our footsteps, right? So at the show, you know, kids can come and try calling they can kind of you know they can shoot an air rifle they can shoot the bow they can shoot all these different things and then come in and, and experience some of the things that are you know in the industry and see some of the celebrity guests that make it a living and make make it a job and and not only that they just show their passion and that's that's a, a big one of the biggest reasons why we do it we do this for kids we do this for youth to raise money to help out organizations or if it's schools with NAS programs or what have you This is the reason we do it. And and don't get me wrong. I I love the outdoors and the staff that I have that are volunteers that run this thing. They they, they love the outdoors, but it's for these kids and to to move the next generation on. And if we don't do that, we don't have that platform, then we're going to be in some serious trouble.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and that's why it's just crucial to have people like you guys. And you know, the thing with you is this is a 365 day thing. As soon as this one ends, you're planning for the next one. Well, like you know, next year started already, so it, yeah, uh,
2: it, it, it kind of overlaps. Yeah, we we're always we're always thinking about next year, and next year is going to be the big one. It's it's year ten. Wow, uh, we got some good good things or some positive vibes that are happening right now, and we're open. You know, by the time this one rolls around, we'll have some stuff to reveal for next year, uh, for year 10. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't stop. Uh, like I said, this is a, a volunteer board, and that includes myself. Uh, all the profits that we make from this go directly back into, um, you know, youth and, um, you know, trying to make, you know, trying to make that, uh, make the outdoors part of that, you know, part of their uh, their livelihood. So, yeah, it, it's a... It, uh, It could be a full-time job,
0: yeah, without Um, a doubt.
2: But uh, you know, I run it. I run it with a a good group of people that donate their time, and we make it work. And. You know, show weekend, we look forward to it. We're happy that it's over when it's over, but as soon as Monday hits, again, you're, you're, you start thinking of, okay, how can we make things better? And we get feedback from our exhibitors and feedback from our people that attended, and we try to make it better that way. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. So, um, the banquet, that's always a huge hit of the weekend. You guys have uh, live auctions, you have silent auctions. Um, Tickets for that, is that they got to buy those in advance, or how does that work?
2: Because of the caters and stuff like that, we have yes. a limited number of tickets that we can sell uh, just because we have to plan. People, when people walk away from that banquet, they, they remember two things. They remember three things, maybe. They remember the speaker. They remember, you know, some of the, the auction items that were there, but they always remember the food when they go to St. Mary's and they get that Ukrainian meal. So, uh, you know, they, they get pretty excited about that meal. A lot of people walk away saying, you know, that was great, great meal. A lot of things happen at that auction. Uh, if we have some speakers, uh, maybe some of the prizes we have that are very unique that, you know, the average Joe might not have a shot at to do if they were to go out and try it themselves or buy some themselves, they might get a pretty good deal on something like a op- trip to Africa. People's name gets entered into trips like that or prizes. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight that we give, we do at that banquet is something called our ATO or, or access to our outdoors. And what we do is we take um, youth and also adults, maybe that have a disability, that maybe um, have never experienced the outdoor life when it comes to hunting or fishing, uh, or maybe that one time they were active and maybe they're not because of the disability. We have some real uh, connections with some of our outfitters that – Come to our show, and are, um, they've graciously given us some trips. Um, and then we look at an application process that people can apply for these trips. And uh, we try to get people back into the outdoors. So That's one of the ones that really is, uh, you know, pulls at the heartstrings. And and uh, we try to get some people back to maybe that's where they were before, or maybe they've never experienced it. And you know, and we have a kid, and they're going on a fishing trip for their first time, or they've got some kind of disease, or you know, they've they're experiencing some health issues. And, uh, it just takes them away from that, those issues. And they're out for a weekend or a couple of days fishing and they pull out, you know, a big walleye or, you know, a catfish or whatever. Wow, yeah. uh, those, those are the things that kind of boost a person's, uh, you know, you boost yourself up and it kind of keeps you, keeps you keep going. So that's one of the highlights of that banquet is, is the ATO. And then kind of everything else that goes with it. Like there's not too many places where you can look, Uh, or you can go and you have access to some of these celebrity outdoor celebrities and you're sitting and you're having supper right to the next table to them and then you're telling you know guys pull up their phones and they're they're showing antlers or they're showing deer they had caught or hunted or fish they've caught and you're actually showing that to somebody who is you know what we consider to be a celebrity on tv yeah and they're right there as your access so the the elbow room and you're mingling with But people who you watch every week or, you know, you follow on your social media or whatever that you have access to those people at that banquet, but also during the show as well. So it's, it's very unique in that setting. So we're, we're really proud that we have that uh, uniqueness
0: yeah it's very cool you know Tim Wells last year he just lit it up with some of the the stories he told and uh he had the the whole room just just whaling it was uh it was pretty cool and you know a grounded guy to talk with and chat with and uh since then you know I've sort of kept in touch with them we've spoken a few times and like you said these guys uh they're there and they you know they love hunting they like swapping stories and uh, there's really nothing like this um you know we are just super fortunate to to be there again this year and it sits pretty high on the list each and every year. So
2: yeah, well that's uh, that's kind of what, what we're about. Is like I said, we this started as kind of a pipe dream for for us. The history behind it. Um, I'm an educator uh, at that time. I was a teacher, uh, phys ed teacher, and we started the uh, the archery program in Saskatchewan.
0: Okay, and,
2: wow. You know, basically it was you have kids from all genres of life. You have kids that mom and dad can write a check and pay for everything. We have kids that you know couldn't pay for anything. And, uh, one of the, the platforms that I said for my team is we're going to fundraise the money. So everybody can go to provincials. And at that time we went to a world championship. Uh, the first year we had the program, we went down, the, down to, uh, to the United States to shoot in the American national championship. They invited us to come down and not one kid had to pay out of pocket that wow. year. We fundraised like crazy. So we're selling cookies, washing cars. We had a garage sale. And uh, it was, it was just taxing. It was like, man, how yeah. can we do something better? And uh, kind of got an idea and threw it by a couple of buddies. And I said, we can host, we can host an expo, an outdoor expo. Um, Yorkton's kind of uh, in a prime area. You know, we're in a, a fly zone with uh, with waterfall. we got some beautiful fishing areas around here. We've got some great hunting areas in our area and in Saskatchewan. And we've got facilities and, and the hotels and, and things to host us. I think we should try this. Yeah, And um, wow. I gathered a couple, you know, a couple of my friends, maybe some parents of, of archers that are on my team and some, some relatives of mine. And we started this thing and that's kind of where it all started. And it, it's just really had legs and taken <laughs> off uh, on itself here. So now it's a, it's an annual thing. Uh, yeah, there's lots of time and effort that goes into it, but man, it's sure worth it when people walk away and they're like, Hey, I'm coming back next year. Or, I've been there for the last nine years and keep doing what you're doing. So it,
0: that, that that keeps the person uh, motivated to do that. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know, you must sit back, like the the thoughts got to come through your head at least once on Saturday at the banquet or Sunday and just like the idea of making things easier for kids to get into archery. Um that's where this all started and now you've got this 3 or 4 day event that is, you know, the highlight of, you know, the hunting sort of you know world in in canada here and uh people travel from all over the place and it just exploded so uh no you know kudos to you guys this takes real commitment and uh and dedication and this this is just unreal it's awesome well no i appreciate that thank you yeah right on eric well did you have anything you want to add
1: in no i just want to uh, tell you keep doing what you're doing man it was fantastic from the moment we walked in the door we loved it the whole time we were there last year and uh We'll just keep coming back.
0: Yeah, we almost left with uh, a sturgeon fishing trip, but someone outbid us on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna Jeez. have to we're gonna have to uh, it's pick it's up our good, shorts here good. at the banquet. Option. You gotta keep your hands in your pocket because
2: you know what, there's so many there's so many things there to see and do and, and trips and you know, there's there's everything you can think of what happens at the outdoors, it's there right in front of you. And what's really cool is when we first started, we tried getting the big companies to come and, and see what we're all about and they're like, No, we'll just send you know, we'll just send the mom and pop shops. And what's happening now, we still have those mom and pop shops, but the actual companies will come and stand in their booth and talk about their product and then they send them to the mom and pop shops to buy their product, or you got yeah. a person who their livelihood is, is making fishing hooks and they do really well. But when they come, and you see a guy dig into his, his wallet and he gets a bag and he for 20 bucks or $25, he can take these lures home that day. And that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted that thing to grow. And, you know, there's some places where you go and they're like, oh, no, this is just a display board. You, you have to order online or you have to go to a store. You can actually buy the product right off the floor.
1: Yeah,
2: And that's, what, that's in, it blows people's minds when I tell them make sure you have product to sell because, and I, and I use this example when my dad would go somewhere you know, he wants to come home with those hooks that day, or he wants to come home with these traps, or he wants to come home with whatever, that yeah. product. He brings his money, and he goes to town, and he buys something, right? And he brings it, and then the next day, he can go out and fish with it, or he can hunt with it, or he can do with it, whatever with it.
0: Exactly, um, yeah.
2: And that's what the show is about, is you can come meet, see the product lines, see what's happening in the industry, some of the new things, maybe some of the new products, meet the celebrities, um, get a picture with them. And you have those experiences of product the next day and then, you know, away you go and it's there for you. So, and a lot of business happens after the show. There's a lot of things that take place after because they've got those contacts and they know where to go. And they might be deciding on taking that fishing trip of a lifetime or going in that hunt of a lifetime. And and they're able to see and talk to those people in in person and and get the the download and save up for it. and, And next thing you know, they're going on that trip. So it's very unique uh i encourage anybody who has any kind of interest in the outdoors uh to come check it out um you know it's, it's very cheap to get in it costs you ten dollars per day to get in um it's you know there's lots to see and do and if you're interested in the banquet banquet tickets are, are available but you have to you have to get a hold of those because they're a hot commodity as well so people can reach out through facebook uh park on out their show and, and get a hold of us or you know to get hold of me and uh, we we can definitely hook you up with, uh, with banquet tickets. And then, like I said, pay at the
0: door for the event. So awesome. Awesome. Can you, uh, give us a little bit of a sneak peek of any of the big, uh, ticket auction items, (laughs) if you know of any yet?
2: Uh, well, we've always got some nice stuff coming from brand or from, uh, Browning. So usually kind of a little mystery. What, uh, what Ricky Ryan at Browning, uh, provides for us but it's usually something really nice we always have our traditional three gun auction that is sponsored by rh electric we've got something in the works there i know there's going to be a couple uh, uh, hunting and fishing trips uh there's definitely the african experience ready. so if you ever thought about going to africa uh, you know we've got um non-guy safari does something nice for us every year with the uh, with that uh we have some very unique pieces uh some uh, if you're a knife person you're into knives We've got uh, some volcanic. It's it's called a volcanic stone. That's um, the the blade is made out of a a piece of volcanic uh, rock. I guess you want to call it. And the handle is made out of a real cool piece of uh, desert cactus. There's lots of stuff that comes to the forefront. Those are just a a few things, but we're always you know there's always things uh, to bid on. Um, And what what's really cool about that is like people like oh you know I'll be bid, uh, or I'll never have a chance at that. We have lots of opportunities for people. That maybe are into high bidders that were you know they bid up a trip or whatever. But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll have a trip that we'll, we'll put in and everybody gets their name put in who buys a banquet ticket. Or we do what's called a hat run. <laughs> the last couple of years we've had a really nice rifle, and you know you buy a you buy a ticket or you so you buy you, you buy your money and you get yourself a parkland out show hat. And then Cody Robbins usually does a, a heads and tails contest, flips a coin. You put your hat on either forward or backward and one's heads and one's tails and we do a process of elimination so you know you might win yourself a five six seven eight hundred eight hundred dollar rifle and it costs you a couple dollars to get into it so everybody has a chance to win we have all sorts of uh nice door prizes uh that people can enter and then of course we have the auction that uh people can bid on stuff and you know what sometimes people get a really good deal on it um so yeah there's lots of stuff to see and do but we still have a uh, lot of stuff in the, in the works here. So we're always, we always get lots of things, nice things at the auction as well. So
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, fantastic, Darren. Thanks so much for your time, man. Uh, I'm glad to chat with you about this and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the weekend. Um, we're going to be there and uh, we're going to do some live podcasts while we're there as well. So maybe we'll touch base with you, um, you know, the Saturday or Sunday at the show as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to, uh, to come on here and, and spread, you know, spread what we're doing. Uh, and again, it's, it's you know, our, our, our kind of our behind the scenes joke is when we do something and you're, you know, you're up till two or three or four in the morning doing stuff, People rate me from my showboard. Like, you sent an email like three in the morning. What's wrong with you? Know, it's, it's for the and that's kind of our inside joke. It is for the kids, and we kind of play it off as an inside joke. as, you know something? You know we do something, or someone forgets to hand a bill in, and you're like, well, you know, you had the bill for two years, and like, ah, oh, it's for the kids. Yeah, it's really, exactly. It's truly for the kids. <laughs> and uh, you know with a, a great group of volunteers they make that happen and, and the money that we have really goes back to youth and in outdoor pursuits so it is really for the kids and and that's kind of our been our goal from day one is is to do this so
0: super cool man well uh you know you keep accomplishing that goal so great job and uh yeah we'll see you in uh April 4th and April 5th in Yorkton saskatchewan great
2: right on thanks guys take care okay
0: perfect you we'll too, talk man. to
2: you later Gotcha. bye
0: okay guys so that was Darren Wandy with the parkland outdoor show um you know we keep saying this it's just a ton of fun uh last year was our first year a few of our guys have attended it in previous years and uh you know they told me you got to be there you got to be there so we uh you know made it a priority to go it's about a 14 hour drive from us here up in northern alberta but uh, i wouldn't miss it so we're going to be back again this year uh we'll be there for the banquet we'll be there for the show on the two days hopefully we can try and get into that 3d archery shoot that'd be pretty cool
1: yeah i'd like to i'd like to do it all you know there's going to be quite a few of us not typically Nation people there, so yeah. we might get a chance at it.
0: Yeah, the elk calling competition might be a far stretch for myself, but...
1: Well, you don't have to win, you yeah. can still go in the children's category. <laughs> the children's
0: category, there we go. Right on. Well, Steven
1: will be there, he can hold the tube for you. Yeah, he can do show it for you. How me. It's done.
0: <laughs> that's sort of how the Elkhunting season went this year. Yeah, you just followed him around. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, that's how I did
1: the same thing. Yeah, just followed other people around.
0: Right on. So, yeah, guys, as we mentioned at the start of this podcast, um, we're going to be chatting about. Hunting accidents, incidents, and close calls. So we put out um, a Facebook and Instagram post yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, One or the other. One or the other. We put it out and we asked you guys, have you had any hunting accidents, or close calls in the bush while you're hunting. And, you know, we have just got an enormous amount of comments and stories and pictures and videos from everybody. I'm looking at this now, and I've just got another new comment. So people are still commenting on this. So super cool. Um, you know, we love the interaction with you guys. We appreciate it big time. And so we're going to chat about some of these hunting accidents and close calls. Um, you know, there's some some pretty... Uh, Pretty cool comments and stories so I, on here.
1: I haven't had... Yeah, I glanced through it quickly, too, just a few minutes ago. And there's uh, there's some pretty serious pictures on there. Um, I haven't had anything crazy, like any actual injuries happen to me in the bush. I've had some close calls. Have
0: you had but, any major cuts?
1: Um... Yeah, I've cut my hand and stuff, skinning and, and or doing you know, sharpening knives, whatever. Yeah, um, but I've managed to have you like hit an up, artery click? where
0: it's shooting a foot in the air.
1: No, I haven't, so that's what I was actually going to ask you. What is your worst, uh, yeah, accident? so
0: I was going to post the picture, um, but I didn't because I just got busy, but, anyways. This uh, past hunting season, I got the moose down, and uh, you know when you drop a giant animal like that, you walk up to it, and you don't know where to start when you're by by yourself. Like this moose is eight times bigger than I am, weight wise and size wise, so I can barely move his legs. But I get him, I get him opened up. I'm gutting him, uh, removing the gut, So I'm uh, my hands are inside his cavity, and I'm cutting with the Havlon blade, and I whack my finger. Okay. And I whacked this thing deep. So my hands were already a little bloody from the moose, Yeah, but now I've got blood shooting, shooting. four feet so in the air. So what part of your
1: finger between the first two so knuckles? So it's my
0: middle finger between,
1: yeah. right, right
0: between the the, first noc-
1: the two knuckles. Yeah. First between two the knuckle. two knuckles.
0: Yes. And it's still, it still has a numb sensation. So it's on there. the
1: inside. Do you have a scar?
0: Yeah. It's right here so uh okay. yeah oh, i started right there. oh yeah you oh, can yeah. see the Holy scar <laughs> yeah yeah so i've got photos of it when i was in the hospital because i had to get like a tetanus and six stitches oh, and got, everything else oh yeah we got the whole the whole nine yards mm-hmm. there so yeah what happened is i was gutting this thing whacked my finger with the havelon it hit the bone blood shooting in the air Okay, so, and I'm about 400, 500 yards in the bush right now. So I'm like, I got to get to the quad and I got to wrap this thing. So I get to the quad, quad to the truck find electrical tape, wrap it up, but now I still have this moose in the bush that I gotta deal with. I can't leave this moose. It's warm, it's August, so I quad back, wrap that sucker tight. I can't move it, it's numb, right? Uh, Get the moose skinned out and everything else, bring it to the butcher, because we had to get it to the butcher quick because of how warm it was. Um, Went home, and, uh, you know, the wife said, You got to go to the hospital. That's deep. It's not going to heal. You know, it's going to, you got to get her dealt with. So I went to the hospital. They asked what happened. I told them, They're like, Well, you're going to need a tetanus. You're going to need this, going to need that. Yeah, you um, should have told
1: them you cut them in the kitchen.
0: I know. And I had to put it in some solution and I just screamed like a fucking girl. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it was
1: is it straight alcohol.
0: <laughs> oh, man. It burnt. It burned So I've got a few photos. I'll probably post them up the, the day we post this podcast on our Instagram story. So watch for that you can see the see the cut see it in the hospital see how deep it was did you and uh yeah
1: let's maybe go back to the moment before okay so your your hands your elbow deep in a moose yes and so you were like cutting diaphragm or something right and you you just sliced across your finger. so did
0: you feel it uh, like, well, did you I, know? I, yeah, I knew I hit my finger. You just felt the hit, though, right? Because like, when you get a I,
1: deep Havilon cut, you usually don't feel it, I
0: right? knew I hit my finger, and I knew I had a, a knife in my hand. So, obviously, if I hit my finger, yeah, I hit yeah. it with something. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. pull her out, and, yeah, it's shooting in the air. As soon as so you pulled it out. I'm yeah. panicking. Like, I'm running to my backpack, checking if I have anything in there, but I don't. So, I grab my sweater, wrap my sweater around it, run to the quad, And I'm losing a lot of blood, like a decent amount of blood that I'm a little bit lightheaded and I'm not thinking totally straight.
1: Part of that's the, yeah, like the shock. I
0: had a first aid kit in my truck, but I, I didn't think of it. I grabbed the electrical tape and toilet paper and wrapped it up. Yeah.
1: Um, honestly, that was probably faster than. Yeah. I just wrapped her, wrapped
0: her tight. Um, But, uh, yeah, so stopped the bleeding, stopped, uh, you know, any movement of that finger, and it was just a one-hand operation pretty much from there. But that happened at the very start, so the rest of that moose was just a a tough son of a bitch to get. Oh, yeah,
1: for Um,
0: sure. But then, yeah, so I got it to the butcher and by that time came around you know you, you aren't even thinking about it you're done but i got home had a shower and i looked at it and i thought i better get the fucking because it's not it's still bleeding good so got in and uh, yeah they gave me i think four or six stitches and and that was that you know couldn't move my finger for a while just because every time you wouldn't move it a stitch would come undone yeah um but now i've got a bit of a tingling and numbing like, I don't have a lot of feeling on that part. It's all scar uh, it's tissue. It's all scar tissue, yeah.
1: Yeah, interesting so. enough, now that you tell that story, the first moose I ever killed, well, the first moose I ever guided, I cut myself with a Havalon blade, too.
0: Oh, okay. Right
1: on the back of my hand. It's probably, a, it's like an inch and a half scar along my, sort of the top of my, where my pinky goes into my hand. Yeah. And I was actually done gutting it. We got back to camp. It was hanging, and one of the other guides showed up and I was so excited. I was like 16 or 17, right? And so you got
0: this fucking was, moose.
1: And I had been hunting for two two or three weeks and hadn't gotten <laughs> oh, a moose yet, right? Yeah. So we had some chances, but I just, nobody ever knocked one down. Yeah, It's one thing after the other. So I finally got one. My guy was super happy about it. It was a small moose, but he just wanted a moose. Yeah. And uh, so the other guide rolled up and I was all excited. And with the knife in my hand, as I'm skinning it, I go to lift the cape up. To show oh, them the little horns, fuck. and I did the same thing. I hit the back of my hand with a knife, yeah. and it just the knife blade went under and kind of skinned like probably a half an inch or a quarter inch under my skin, like yeah. just lifted it. And uh, I just grabbed my handkerchief out of my pocket, wrapped it up real tight, and just never opened my Can't hand. Is
0: that what that scar is from? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what the scar is from. And I never so got stitches or just kept it bandaged up. Kept her I actually
0: shut. i had my ice auger in my garage. And I didn't have a cover on the blade. Oh, yeah. And it was summertime. This was 12 years ago. And it was summertime walking with flip-flops in the garage. Oh, no. You kicked it? Yeah, I sliced my foot. And I was going skeet shooting that day. And I just filled my boot with with fucking paper towel and we went shooting (laughs) and uh, i just i i had like two days off and i wanted to go shoot the shotgun so we went out there and i got back and had a shower and it's always in the shower when you take your fucking bandage off and everything else and you realize how bad it is and i've got this scar in my foot man it's two inches and it's about like the scar is a half inch thick fuck yeah bad they couldn't couldn't. Uh, I did end up going in two days later because it just nothing was wouldn't fucking happening. Yeah. No, so they wouldn't do stitches because I waited too long. They said they couldn't for whatever reason. It already started to scar up, so yep. they just did the bandage thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I've got a nasty scar there, and I am very lucky. Um, Th- that that one wasn't any more serious because that is a, a deep, long scar. Um, and, like, I'm thinking back now, like, that son of a bitch bled fucking good. But I just filled the boot up with, with paper towel. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was probably 16 or 17 years old and uh, just stubborn. I wanted to go shoot the shotgun so I said fuck it I'm not going to the hospital waited too long and they couldn't do stitches and but now I got a badass scar on my foot I did
1: I did something similar well actually I don't know how similar it is but when I was 13 or 14 we were on a high school trip and one of the other kids it was a high school junior high trip and one of the junior younger kids had left a hatchet just laying in the in the bush And I went walking through this, like kind of had to split some rose bushes to go to where our little shelter was. And I kicked this hatchet and I was just wearing like track pants and I kicked it right above my boot and I was like, oh, that kind of hurt. But I thought, you know, nothing of it. I got, I got like the 10 more yards to my lean to and I looked down and my shoe is just like, like there's just like molten red on both sides of my shoe coming down. And so I lifted my pant leg up and I can see the bone of my shin. Like there's like an inch wide, inch like stretched open cut from where I just kicked a hatchet blade with the very front of my shin, right above like my boot line on my ankle. And it I have a scar on my leg too. And I just I panicked. So I just grabbed the toilet paper, wrapped toilet paper, made a toilet paper pad, pressed down as hard as I could, and then took like a, I don't know, I think I had like a Walmart bag, like yeah. a plastic single use bag. Yeah. And I just tied it as tight as I could around that patch. Until it stopped bleeding, and then I was like, you know what? I'm not hiking out to get stitches or yeah. anything, Like as long as it stops bleeding. And-,
0: and you got her under control somewhat. Yeah,
1: well, it stopped bleeding eventually, and then there was just like... It was a really ugly healing process, but there was like a little bit of fat coming out. Oh, and man. It was right to the bone. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't very fun. It wasn't a very fun hike out. Jeez. I've never gotten stitches in my life, and I probably should have... Half a dozen times. Yeah,
0: I've got her a few times. Like, we were ice fishing once. I think I talked about this um, on one of the last... Po- actually, the podcast we did in the ice fishing tent. Right. So, that would have been the last podcast for you guys. And what had happened was we had a big pike in the ice fishing hole. I go to grab it. The hook gets pulled out of his mouth and goes right through my, my hand. Mm-hmm. So, it had a barb on it. And... um had a barb on it and I wasn't going to pull it out with that barb because that fucker was going to hurt well, and it was good luck. all the way yeah. through. And then we also caught a fish or a few fish that we were keeping and I was filleting them and I ended up cutting myself too on that hand. So I had a cut and I had this fucking.
1: So you just left the hook in your hand?
0: I had to leave the hook. Oh, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. get it out and I wasn't going to go into town. We were fishing, right? I'll go out in the evening. And the cut, I didn't think anything of it. I put a bandaid on it, but then I went into the hospital and like, I need you guys to cut this out because I thought they were just going to freeze it cut the skin and pull it out and he said no i'm just gonna get pliers and pull it out like you would pull it out of the fish's mouth i said but it has a barb on it he said it doesn't matter i'm freezing your hand and we're just pulling it out uh, and i'm like oh uh, fucking!" Uh, and they're I like well I what's cringe. that band-aid i'm like oh yeah i cut myself too but it's no big deal they looked at it they're like yeah you're gonna need stitches for that too so i ended up getting stitches in my finger and they fucking numbed my whole hand and yanked it out with pliers like, like it, like they had done it a million fucking times, so it and it actually out, it came out easy. One pull,
1: yeah. So there's a trick to it, right? You got to push and pull and do uh, a weird twist. And yeah, I don't know. Barb comes out, but, but he, he yanked her out. Yeah, that makes me cringe. I like. I thought he was going to make a little cut
0: and just, or or I thought yeah. he was going to snip the barb part. Yeah, yeah. So it was off and pull just it, but a wire, no, he's yeah. like, I'm just pulling it, and he just holy pulled it off. Yeah, Um and Ugh. I'm just trying to think. You know, other than that. I don't think I've – I think that's sort of the worst three things that have happened. Yeah, me too. I've too had bad. a few close
1: calls. People almost got shot a few times. I got gas in my eyes and my face, nose, and mouth one time. That wasn't – I was actually with a doctor at the time. but Wow. that was – turned out to be nothing and splashed some iced tea in my face and I was yeah. good to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, other than that, I think that's it for me. I've been lucky. Knock on wood.
0: Yeah, you've had uh, – have you had close calls with – like guns and people, well, and you had any like misfires or guns going off when they weren't supposed to, yeah, um, so
1: i've I think I told one story about a yes, husband and wife on a right. podcast you didn't you've yeah. released that one or not? I think that was one of Amy actually. Was I it told that story? okay, um I had yeah, I had one recently where we were we were hunting late season. And the weather was pretty rough, like it was snowing really bad, but it was warm. It was kind of like it is right now, like zero degrees. So it's snowing, big, heavy snowflakes, but it's also like slushy and mucky. Yeah. And so we're just driving around in the quad because it's basically like you just get soaking wet and freeze in no time. You can't walk around or nothing. So we're cruising around, around all these like cut blocks and oil field patch roads and everything. And... We had seen this other, another outfitter driving around in a side-by-side and they'd stopped and kind of rolled down my window and talked to him, asked him if he was looking for whitetails or whatever, point a buck out to him that I'd saw a couple minutes ago. He turns out he was looking for moose too and whitetail. So they went and chased the whitetail I'd pointed out to him and we didn't see him again. Probably two hours go by and it's like getting to be like the last couple hours of the afternoon. And we come down this big hill and we're on like a, a cut line trail. It's not a road because it's frozen so we can drive everywhere. And there's two moose standing five, 600 yards down at the bottom of the hill. And I see them right away. I can just see their shape because it's snowing like yeah. big, big, heavy snowflakes sideways. So I only had two hunters with me. The one guy had already tagged out. So I had another guy that was with me and he was older, a little bit slower, kind of needed like some time to get set up before it was going to happen which is another reason why we we're driving around in the truck. We got, I told him to get all your stuff ready, except put your bullets in your gun, you know, get your stick ready, get everything ready, don't load your gun. We got, go, start going down the hill, get closer, the moose aren't even paying attention to us. Get within, you know, I asked him what he wanted, he said, well, inside 200 would be perfect. Okay, so we get inside 200, get to 150, he steps out, he sets up, I'm watching the moose. The one crosses the cut line fully so we can see the whole body. I said, take the first one. He shoots, and no word of a lie, as he shoots and pulls a trigger, that side-by-side comes out of a trail that's like midway between us and the moose on the moose's side that he's shooting, comes out, and I watched the flare of that bullet go over the front of that side-by-side. And I just I was watching my binoculars because I'm looking for the moose to get hit at 200 yards or 150 yards in the snow. Right. And I could just see the trace of the bullet through the snow go right over in front of the windshield. That side by side. Those I dropped my binoculars. Those guys hit the brakes. Everybody was just kind of looking at everybody. And then I was like, get the fuck in. We got to go make sure everybody's okay." Like, I don't even know what happened. Right. It's such a crazy like it all happened so fast. Plus, I'm riled up because I think this guy also got this moose. So he piles back in the truck. We start going down the hill, and I'm driving pretty fast. Before we can even get to them, one of the hunters jumps out of the side-by-side, shoots the other moose. Uh, your hunter or the other No, hunter? The, the hunter, the side-by-side. We're in a truck. Yes, you're in truck. So the side-by-side yeah, yeah. that we just about shot. Yeah. One of the hunters jumps out of that, shoots the other moose. We roll up. That moose kind of drops dead. Um, I, 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 make sure everybody's okay. Like, I'm like, are you, everybody okay? He's like the other outfitter, he was like, did that just fucking happen? And I was like, yeah, that, I think that just happened. And he's like, I saw it. I was like, well, I saw it. Like it was as close as you thought it was from my angle too. Right. Like it was right there. God was on our side that day. So <laughs> after everybody was okay, we start, you know, figuring out the moose situation. So now I'm worried. Okay. There's two hunters with this guy. There's one hunter with me. They for sure downed one moose because I saw them shoot it and it drop. Now are they going to try and claim because both of their hunters shot at the one moose? The other hunter I couldn't see. He was still in the bush. Two gunshots. So now I'm worried. Okay, now they're going to try and like steal our moose or something, right? I don't know these people. Yeah. They're just strangers. I don't know the other outfitter. I don't know anything. So I'm like, I'm I'm telling you for sure. I'm pretty sure my guy hit the original moose. Which then ran off before you guys shot the other moose. I said that one's yours for sure. I'm telling you, I saw you guys kill that one. Blah blah blah. So we start trailing the other moose, and we ended up having to catch up to it and put it down. But we both of our crews ended up with a moose that so each day. each one got one moose. Each of our crews got a moose. So both nice. my guys tagged out. Um, the one of the one of the other outfitters tagged out. Nobody got shot, and we helped each other load.
0: Nice, decent sized bulls or moose. average size,
1: uh, a little bit smaller than average, but they were both what those guys wanted. They wanted uh, they were all moose hunters, so they yeah. just wanted meat bulls,
0: yeah, but, yeah. so um w- is there anything that could have been done different there?
1: No, no, because like I it's nobody's fault, and that's why I, I'm comfortable telling this story on yeah. the podcast because yeah. it's not like we were driving down a main road and you know a truck came flying across, and you know we weren't shooting somewhere where we where we weren't supposed to we were doing everything legally correct that we could have been. It was just total happen chance that that outfitter was using the trails where we were, the, the, the quad trails, we're using like the truck size, like pipelines, cut lines. And he just happened to cross the same time we crossed and the moose happened to be in the exact position yeah. to be recipe for disaster. <laughs> Unreal, man. Unreal. That's the most scared I have been yeah, in my, my entire life. In that split, like, three seconds where I didn't know if anybody... Like, obviously, after sort of like the rifle stops ringing in your ears and everything. You see people walking around. Nobody's yeah. freaking out. I'm like, okay, nobody got shot, right? But it's close. Yeah. Like, I didn't know if there was a hole in the side by side. I thought the moose got hit, but I would also drop my binoculars so fast. Wow. That,
0: um, and we got a lot of comments from people who have had similar incidents. Yeah,
1: or worse. They've been on the worst. seems like so a lot you, of people. So yeah,
0: you had that, said you read some where guys had been shot? I
1: read a few where, um,
0: yeah, some guys got shot. So here's one
1: guy on Facebook he said my dad was shot in the back of the head while out geese hunting by a guy driving down the road on a quad bullet stopped one centimeter from the center of his brain luckily he survived still has a passion for hunting wow
0: and then there's
1: people commenting that say i remember that incident so glad your dad made it that's crazy
0: yeah that is that is (laughs) unreal and um that does seem to be a, a common theme on here with people who are saying they're hunting their private property in a tree stand or a blind and someone's driving by and they jump out because they see the decoy. Um, actually, that happened to one of our team members uh, and uh, someone's driving by, doesn't have permission points the gun at the decoy and uh well what's right behind the decoy but the hunter and is blind right yeah
1: that's scary so scary that is stuff. scary
0: you got to be careful out there it's well uh, almost
1: everybody knows somebody that's been shot while hunting right yeah. like you hear those stories oh my grandpa's only got four toes on the one side or you know no. whatever and and uh yeah my uncle
0: actually shot one of his fingers off when he was uh hunting with a handgun in the mountains in the states
1: really yeah Shot one of his fingers off.
0: fingers off. Wow.
1: Yeah. I know a guy, um, or I've heard this story when I was growing up quite a few times, a guy that my grandpa knew that had a friend of his, a duck hunting friend of his, build a little nipple to put on the toe of his steel toe boots for duck hunting. He always wore work boots duck hunting. He had a guy weld a little nipple or something on his boot so that he could put the barrel of his gun and it would seat on the little upright of the nipple. So that his gun would just sort of oh stay on the toe gosh. of his boot. That
0: is not a good idea. The day
1: after he made it, he blew his foot off. Yeah. Like the top of his foot off.
0: Unreal.
1: Unreal. See, I'm just looking at some of
0: these. Like, here's one guy. Um, I've had hunters shoot high caliber firearms towards me while I was gutting my deer just on the other side of a gully. I looked up and seen two white-tailed does in full tilt run the run from the same gully I shot my buck in. Uh, and I thought my grandpa and uncle and or brother were shooting at them, but they were in the opposite direction, basically. I was on the east side of the field. They would have been shooting north from the north side, but I could hear them yelling at me to get the fuck down and move. As I laid down, I looked towards the road, and I still seen the two does still running through the field and a tan dodge with three guys shooting at them. Yeah, it's just... You know, that's why you got to get a little further. Like, yeah, you know, at least, you know, I like that I
1: try and get as far as I can away from my best hunting spots. Yeah. My best hunting spots are just wherever other people aren't. Yeah. And I've always been like that. It might not be the best spot to for the animals, but I just can't. People scare me so much more than any animal in the woods. Yeah. When I see anybody, I try and,
0: make it clear. I try and be the first one to contact them. You know, if I see someone walking down a trail or or even walking towards me and they don't see me, I'll yell at them first, be like, Hey, how's it going? And just make first contact with them because, uh, you know, I, yeah, you, you never know what the hell could happen.
1: Well, I've, I've even had people, you know, point a rifle at me to look, to see what I am. And that, that's pretty discomforting, especially when you're only carrying a bow. Yeah. And uh, that's just, it's just bad ethics. And it, it's, it's people like that that give hunters a bad name, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I actually went to, uh, I actually went, I worked with a guy in the Yukon that before he turned 18, he, this guy is an Australian. Before he turned 18, he'd been shot twice. Once with a crossbow and once with a shotgun. And uh, the shotgun, I think he was a bit younger. He had just started hunting. It's like fifteen or sixteen, and he was going dove hunting or something with his family. And one of his cousins tripped, and was like twenty yards behind him and shot him in the back. Oh my gosh! And they picked they picked uh, like I don't know a dozen pellets out of the middle of his back or something. That is
0: crazy, man.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I think he said when he was eighteen. Right before he came to Canada, he was hunting in the Northern Territory with one of his friends. Yeah, and they were just hiking along, and and something slapped him in the ass really hard. He didn't feel a thing. Turned around, and there was a crossbow bolt and a broadhead sticking out the side of his ass. It hit him from like it hit him in one cheek, right at the, like the crack. Went through the one cheek, and hit the the broadhead was sticking through like well, by his hip. Oh my god! And they were like. 400 kilometers or something from wherever and but this guy had also been bitten by snakes and unreal. all that crazy shit australians are another breed though
0: yeah that's unreal so this guy here he said he had a big mule deer he stuck with an arrow the buck came back alive after laying dead for 30 minutes it jumped up at me when i was standing over him it knocked my bow out of my hands have you ever had any incidents where you were sure the animal is dead and sure enough he's up and moving
1: uh I don't know who this guy is, but my sure might be a little bit more sure than his sure. Yeah. Like
0: I I don't know. I'm 30 I don't, minutes an animal a deer is laying there and you're sure it's dead. Yeah, but how sure? Up. Like,
1: did you go up and poke well, he's it? Sure it's dead. He's sure. Jeez. So is he sure because like like I'm sure oh I I sat in my tree stand, I waited 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm he's sure he's, he's gonna be
0: dead. He sat in his or he sat there, watched it dead for 30 minutes. Like, you know. I would have given it 10 minutes, yeah. 15 minutes if I see it die and walk up to it. And he walked up to it, goes to grab the antlers and then knocks the bow out see, of it. See, I've hands. heard that
1: happening to so many people. Yeah. You hear stories like, Oh, my uncle rode a deer one time when you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I actually have another, I could tell client stories all day now. But yeah. Um anyway, this guy. Or me personally, when I kill something or somebody else kills something What's and I'm with it, you do? the first thing I do is I'm obviously slowly approaching it. I can you can see if it's breathing or not usually. And then I go and poke it in the eye. And if yeah. it's dead, the eye is going to be wide open usually. And if it's dead, it's not going to, you know, like blink or flinch or anything. And yeah. you poke it with the end of your rifle barrel, you know, if it's a bear, that's a good safe place because if it moves, you can just call the trigger let one go yeah um but i definitely don't just like crawl on top of something and grab it by the horns and that's not the first thing you do
0: yeah i've had i had a black bear that i shot once we shot it um it was dead and we moved it but something happened with its i don't know what happened but his back leg straightened right out So it was something to do with his nerves or something. We literally shot it and we dragged it onto the road or onto the gravel trail. And I'm on the phone and I look and he's straightening his back legs. And I run away and it it was just his nerves. Like I could not. (laughs) Yeah, Amy was with me and uh, I was on the phone Telling someone that I just shot this bear and then the thing's coming alive after I move it onto the road, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we've had sort of funny incidents too where you shoot it and you go and check it, it's dead, and then it, this always happens with bears—you you roll lift it over, their head up, and yeah. it. Brrr.
1: you hear that that's what i was gonna
0: say yeah i've got it on film with a couple guys where they're lifting it up and then they jump back because you hear that
1: (laughs) it's not quite done yet
0: (laughs) but uh yeah no that's always there's a lot of uh
1: broadhead accidents on here i noticed quite a few guys say keep your thumbs down when using a crossbow I uh, shot mine many times before, but this time it went through my thumb.
0: You know what? And I, that's always in the back of my mind when I'm shooting, it shouldn't be. But when I'm shooting a broadhead, I'm always a little bit worried that my hand's too far too. open or something and I'm going to cut my hand. I
1: always think that too. Yeah. I'm always like, I always actually almost look like.
0: So what I would like is we got to shoot the bow and I want you to tell me how far my finger actually is just for peace of mind. So yeah. I know because, uh. I don't think of it when I'm not shooting, but when I am shooting, as soon as I have that broadhead on there and I draw back, I'm like, oh, just fuck, think, am I going to cut myself?
1: Like right off. It would just yeah, pop yeah it those right PX2s,
0: off. and they're sharp, man. They yeah. are sharp.
1: Especially coming out at 370 yeah. feet per second or Jesus whatever Jesus
0: Christ. So, yeah, a lot of broadhead incidents, a lot of close calls with, you know, people shooting people accidentally and falling yeah.
1: out of tree stands. That seems to be a big yeah, one. that's
0: a big one. Do you um so I'm obviously I'm tethered when I'm in the stand. Do you are you strapped on when you're climbing up that tree?
1: Um if my mom's listening, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, but otherwise no, it's just too much. It's yeah. uh it's almost more dangerous for me just because I've got, you know, I've either got a backpack on or I've got a camera slung over my back or or something you know i obviously don't take all my gear up i rope everything
0: you rope everything up
1: almost everything but See, i'll still pack something I gotta
0: start that like i'll I, still I pack. carry everything up
1: so you'll like what like you'll clip your bow on your backpack? i'll try and do it in one shot yeah
0: i'll either clip my bow on my backpack or hold my bow and then just bear climb up that tree yeah and that's that gets a little hairy yeah that's that's
1: yeah that's, that's the stupid thing, when you get up yeah. to the top it's not the i got it, i gotta get a rope for me it might up. i always rope the bow because i'm scared i'm gonna drop the bow yes i could give a fuck if i drop myself if yeah. i drop my bow and break it i'm not hunting that day for sure <laughs> so yeah i always rope the bro the bow up the other thing is i usually put my stands in uh pretty branchy trees okay because uh I don't know. I like, I like having my stand high. So if I get a big, you know, a good tree with big branches, I can kind of add a few steps to my ladder and make my stand a little higher if I want. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so when, it, when you get up there, you're kind of crawling through branches and stuff. I don't like having a bunch of stuff hanging uh, off I of see. me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But I
1: try and go up with my backpack and then uh, rope whatever else I have to up. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm not tethered in because I, I've tried it, you, you know, you get the loop strap or whatever, and you just kind of go up every step but it's just too much and you get tangled and you get tough, hooked on yeah. branches and yeah it's just yeah not... you just
0: you got to be extra careful climbing up you got to make sure you're you're you gonna take your time tight. you gotta yeah. take your time you can't rush it um and then uh yeah you just don't
1: trust last year's deck screws and two by fours no, check and them all
0: you, you know what else i uh i cheaped out one year and i just bought like hanging hooks yeah and, like heavy duty hanging hooks and i'm like oh yeah they'll Hold me and no, as soon as you step on them, they like garage <laughs>
1: hooks like for hanging yeah. ladders and shit. Yeah.
0: I'm like, well, I guess I gotta spend the extra four dollars and get the real ones. Get the ones
1: that are like whatever steal, yeah a little but, bit of steel in them. And, and, and I, I them.
0: like those because I can toss them in my backpack and you can be a little more mobile with your tree stand um, rather than the actual climbing racks. Um, but this year, um, I've used the climbing racks, and when it comes to actually climbing, they're a lot nicer. Yeah, up than and having down is nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's just setting up. If you're constantly setting up and taking down, they're a pain in the ass because you got to haul five, five or six racks to get it at a decent height. Yeah. Uh, but once you got them on there, if you got a permanent stand, they're good. I like those.
1: Well, and you use them for your, your trail cameras and stuff too, eh, putting...
0: Yeah, so for my trail cameras, what I actually do is I get the climbing, the foot hook, yeah, yeah, and I'll put, like, one or two. Like, even... No, I'll put two. Two is perfect. And then you can get your camera nice and high. Like, so you can I get started get, 15 feet. Yeah,
1: I started to put my camera at, like, uh, like 12 feet, like, yeah. well above what even you can reach. Yes. So, it's, it's even... Like, I could probably reach almost 10 feet. Yeah. So, it's probably, you know, like, more like 13 or 14 feet. Yeah. But I just bear hug climb up the tree and sort of really eh? hold on but Very i definitely got to get my myself some of them some of them hooks yeah
0: yeah they're good you know i i actually usually just keep one or two on me because honestly you never well, that's know what when i mean just get to get have higher on the tree yeah, if yeah, i that's if what I, mean, I would just have, have, have them in that backpack if i would have had them this year when i was elk hunting and we knew how thick that bush was i could have cranked one of those in the tree right quick and got up about another four feet and i would have been able to see that and bull quietly perfectly. too and quietly yeah yeah so uh I yeah, honestly since then I keep like one or two in my pack. They're yeah, so small. That's what I was you thinking just never just know put when them you're in the pack. Just gotta watch that they don't peg your uh poke through your water bladder in your backpack. Yeah.
1: That's tr- Actually that's I've why thought of I, that a few times. That's why I stopped carrying um, or even poke through the backpack. I used to carry like the little hooks yeah. for you know, like Hanging if you're just shit. yeah, yeah. If you're just yeah. standing there calling moose or elk or whatever, you just hang your bow on the tree. Yeah. But then yeah, I found they were poking through all my pockets, so I stopped Oh, out really? of the fucking pack yeah yeah so do you you don't carry a um a first aid kit in your backpack um if i'm
0: i i don't no not if i usually i'm
1: just doing day trips so what's in your like what's in your day pack then what's in my
0: backpack i've got so i'll have a four four liter bladder of water so uh lots of water i'll have trail mix i usually have a sandwich some food um, I'll usually have some like baby wipes or, yeah. or, uh, or, uh, Wet toilet ones. paper. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll have like a plastic bag for if I add any garbage or anything. Um, and then just my hunting necessities and gear. I'll usually have rain gear in there. The Badlands rain gear that rolls up really nice and yeah. small that's shoved into the bottom of my pack um but yeah that's pretty so much do you it.
1: have do you have like all your skinning oh stuff yeah yeah so like I, I should
0: say yeah so i've got my knives and everything else and then you know i've got matches i've got lighter i've got a compass with me um i've got rope you never know when you need rope for something i've got that electrical tape since that day that electrical tape goes everywhere with me because you can wrap that shit nice and tight um
1: and yeah, man. So you've you know. got everything but, or everything for survival but first aid kit.
0: Um. Well, the, I got Almost the electrical everything. tape. <laughs> yeah, I got the electrical. I got tape. the electrical tape. <laughs> I've got food. I've got water. But I mean, I've like, you have, you, so have like else, compass, you have like paper. You have like a compass. You have fire
1: survival. starter. You have yeah. a lighter. You have a little bit of rope because you so never what else, know what. What else do you But you don't, don't carry survival. a first
0: aid kit. <laughs> well, what, what what am I missing in my first aid?
1: Well, you don't okay. have like. Real medical tape, any clean bandages, you know, rubber gloves, maybe if you need them. You wear I not your yourself. Gloves. I, ha- I oh, have I have a couple
0: of rubber gloves in there. Yeah. I've um, got I've got like a little sandwich Ziploc bag that I've had stuff in for the last like three years that never gets open and that's where the matches and that's where it yeah, comes. It's like your emergency kit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the last couple of years And like... there's a couple like plastic gloves in there, like you said. Um you know so do, you have like a, do you have like a there. pocket
1: full of band aids or anything like that?
0: I uh, no, I don't carry band aids. No. see so I, in my truck do. i'm giving <laughs> you a little bit
1: of shit right now okay. but it, it might be a little bit ironic because i carry a first aid kit everywhere
0: oh okay so i have
1: one in my backpack yeah i have uh, I, you know, I have one so in you're my saying cover. first aid
0: kit i want to know what is in this first aid kit like what makes like you can call it whatever yeah, but, you I want, just, but i, want to know I might just i want make
1: it. myself sound stupid here now for making fun of you so my first aid kit is like a It's like because I could have
0: called my Ziploc bag a first aid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) but
1: The the point I'm going to get to is that I never open the fucking thing.
0: Okay, so you don't know what's in it.
1: Well, I do know what's (laughs) in it because I've customized it. I've made it. Yeah. But it's still not what I go to when I cut myself. Yes.
0: Well, I don't. I don't. I I really
1: usually don't cut myself like the day I cut myself in the shop. Yeah like i don't know how months ago yeah, yeah that was like yeah. the first time skinning an animal and like <laughs> yeah. i don't know how long it's just i've done enough now that i'm okay but my first aid kit is like a two or three person uh backpacking one you can buy at canadian tire walmart wherever it's like it's like a waterproof ripstop kind of mesh material but it's only as big as you know like a lady's wallet or whatever it's like smaller than a sheet of paper yes it's just a little pouch and so what i do is i i I lost mine last year, so I had to rebuild it. I took all the non-essential shit out of it. Like, I don't need a tensor bandage. I don't need all those little metal clips. I don't need the million fucking sizes of band-aids. Honestly, I think I took almost all my band-aids out. Okay. And I just have a few in a different pocket in my bag because band-aids just fall off. They're not... They're not really what you yeah, need in an emergency. Yeah, when you're bleeding
0: bad, you're sweating. Yeah, you're, and you're in the bush. From you know, it's like to be raining and
1: you're touching trees. And that's or, why yeah. I have electrical tape, exactly. but carry on. So, <laughs> I, st- I carry electrical tape too, by okay. the way. Um, I do actually have uh, suture kits now. I ordered oh, some suture okay. kits so I can – I have like a little sterile needle with um, like actually what they use in the hospital for stitches. Yeah. And uh, my – taxidermy sewing skills so if i ever yeah. really get cut real real bad then i can at least stitch it up fuck that would hurt man it would but what are you gonna do right <laughs> jesus um other than that so what's that real pack bad? is actually smaller than how i bought it and i just like it because the bag's really nice and it okay. kind of keeps everything organized but all i keep in there to be honest is a couple rubber gloves which i'll never use unless somebody else is hurt and then you know maybe a couple band-aids here and there i have good good medical tape electrical tape and then i have duct tape in a different part of my backpack which is probably what i'd use anyway yeah and then a couple suture kits some gauze because that's good to have for big cuts and stuff and then one really good thing to have is um i can't remember the name of it quick clot okay that's very good thing to have you can get it in a powder Or you can get it in a patch. And the patch is like gauze. It's like that mesh material. Yeah. But it's got something on it so that it makes your blood clot super fast. Interesting. It's just a little thing. Or you can get like a pack. Yeah, I'll have to get some of that. Yeah. Yeah, and you get a pack of like dust and you just pour the dust in it. Wow. makes your blood clot. So if you got like a real bad cut, at least it'll buy you some time. Interesting. But I look more now. Like I used to carry so much shit. And part of that's because my mom's medical field and yeah. psycho about it. And I grew up with all that stuff. And like I've done first aid courses since I was like six years old. Yeah. But when it came to hunting, it's not, it's not so important to carry everything because you're not going to need, you don't need everything. You yeah. really need, all you need is what's what's going to help you in a really bad situation. Because in like a minor situation, even like you cutting your finger and it's squirting out blood. Well, You know, worst comes to worst, you could have like just pinched it and drove back to town, right? Like if you had to. But that's where your electrical tape comes in, right? It's perfect for that. Where a band aid would have done fuck all, right?
0: Yeah, you know, and but it's not
1: quite enough to like use something like the your quick clot where you're gonna have where it's a big deal, you know. It's not your thigh or your you know your abdomen somewhere or something like that. Yeah. And to be lightweight and just not to have a bunch of useless junk in your bag, it's better to just prepare for like. The really bad situations because the minor ones you know you'll kind of just figure it out
0: yeah and i like to like when i'm i like my backpack light like everyone else does yeah. so everything that's in there I like to have multiple purposes. So if it has one purpose, yeah, I mean, the exact same it can, way. It can yeah. stay. Where this electrical tape, I put that on the tip of my gun so I don't get it on mud. If I need to tape my camera up or the mic, I can do it. If I need yeah. to tape my finger, I can do it. Um, but that quick clot, I like that. That is really That's good thing. It's something things. small yeah. you can keep in your pack. It's light. Um, and I'm it's gonna, in like
1: a vacuum sealed bag. So it'll always be good. It'll stay dry.
0: Yeah, I'm going to definitely look into that you know, get that, add that to my little sandwich bag pack. Um, but you know, realistically, like I'm not going on a seven day sheep hunt and I'm no, not doing that's multi-day hunt. Everything yeah. is, yeah, I'm sure you packed.
1: That's a whole different 100% different, different yeah. for
0: that. Um, but pretty much everything I do, um, you know, it's not too out there. Like it's yeah. Well, to be, be clear. We're
1: talking like day trip hunting, right? Yes. So, my first aid kit, what I'd call my first aid kit, whatever it is, a ziplock or an actual bag that says first aid on it, for that day trip, it's only gonna it's only gonna I'm only gonna have items in there that are gonna help me um where I might have less than like three hours. Okay. So if I got more than three hours, whatever it is, yeah. I can get to wherever I need to go. Yeah. Or I'm gonna hit SOS on my device and somebody's gonna be, you know Yeah.
0: So what I, I pack to basically <laughs> plan to stay the night. So yeah, I, oh, I need to, I need to keep, I need to keep food. I need to keep some fire. I need to keep warm and I need to wrap my cut up so it can last overnight if something happens. And then the next day, you know, so you have that day basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, um, you're packing, you know, a little bit extra food every time I, I go out a little bit more than I'm going to eat. Uh, make sure I have matches, make sure I usually have a couple lighters because lighters are always the easiest, um, and uh, you fire know starter. I do fire starter, yeah. <laughs> I do have uh, some fire starter as well. And then uh, you know I always have my rain gear in there and and whatnot too. So. so I
1: started dividing my backpack up into like little kits, and I got this from actually backpacking. Okay. So now like my day pack is even the same. Or I'll have like a ziplock, like one of those small freezer bags. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're they're a little bit thicker and heavier duty. Yeah. Um, I'll fill one of those with what I call my kill kit. So that'll have. My Havilon in it. It'll have like a string of paracord. It'll have extra Havilon blades. It has one of uh, a couple of those uh, suture kits. Cause you know if I cut myself while I'm just have my kill kit out, I don't want to have to I dig see. through my yeah, backpack yeah, yeah. to get my first aid kit. So I'll so have, have a few band aids. I'll have tape in my kill kit so that it's right there already dumped out on the tailgate or it's already dumped out on the ground beside me. Yeah, it's already right there. Because if I cut myself super bad, I don't want to have to go and dig through my bag to find my first aid kit, which then has the other stuff in it. Interesting. So like you said, stuff's got multiple purposes. So I don't have like four different rolls of tape in each little kit. I have one and then, you know, I have some duct tape around my water bottle or something. Interesting. And it's all used sort of, but it's for when I need it most at the time, right? And like you said, the most important thing, especially around here, is to be able to spend the night get through the night yes especially fall hunting spring hunting even too it drops below zero
0: yeah yeah it does and and yeah spring hunting man it's the bears too like there are so many bears well, and you're out you there till dark because yeah.
1: that's the best time to hunt the bears yeah. and it's dark at midnight yeah yeah, right? yeah. so if something <laughs> happens at 11 30 yeah you don't have cell service you're staying the night yeah right like whether your truck wheel falls off or you're stuck or you know if you don't have cell service you might as well just wait till light.
0: yeah i've had some close calls like my i was having issues with my brakes or something i can't remember what it was but i had to reassemble my brakes and i forgot to put a bolt
1: or something on
0: (laughs) and i'm 60 70 kilometers back along the river where we do our bear hunting south of town
1: sasquatch country yeah sasquatch
0: country amy shoots uh brown color phase bear it runs 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 i call a friend we go and look for it and whatnot and when we're leaving so he leaves and then we're basically heading out too and my whole brake the whole brake mechanism falls off and my whole brakes lock up everything locks and i'm 55 60 kilometers back barely any cell phone service i had to walk to get service and then Buddy, luckily, he was only 10 clicks up. He turned around. It was Stefan. We hopped in his truck and headed back to town. The next day, we had to go fix the the brake. And yeah, I was thinking, like, if I was alone, like, if he w- didn't come out to help us find this bear, um, you know, man, it would have been – would have went south night. right quick. It would have yeah. been a long freaking night. Yeah. yeah. So – and you don't think of stuff like that because you're in your truck, so yeah. I don't need to – I don't need to have to pack for survival. I'm in a truck, right? Um, but you just never know yep. when something like that will happen, or if your truck slides off the road. Um, when I shot my moose this year, you know, you know where I got it. Basically, not far from where I yep. helped you guys out there, and right on, actually, right on that corner. Yeah, it's a bad corner. It's a bad corner, and it was sloppy. It was raining yep. the morning I got my moose. I was coming back, and I slid right into that ditch. Right into that ditch, and luckily I had those track grabbers that go onto your tires, yep. and it, it It worked. It it was a bit of work. I had to get the quad out of the truck because it wouldn't do it with the, all the weight in the back, and then it eventually got me out. But if I was a little farther back, or didn't have service, or if it was night, man, things can or go or you south slipped off right into the quick. creek there into the creek. Yeah, I was twenty feet from the creek. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal, man.
1: Yeah, I always carry. Uh, I actually always carry uh, like I'm. Um, I don't even know. It's an oil field or, um, I don't know, search and rescue, maybe preparedness thing. It's like a metal tin. It's about the size of a Frisbee and it's probably four inches thick and I just slide that under my truck seat and it's yeah. a, it's one of those sealed things okay. that says, it's like, I think it says SAS survival kit on it, which I would, I don't know what that stands for, but it's sealed with special tape. So you know if it's been opened or not, that thing has, um, it's got a little bit of drinking water in it. It nice. has preserved food in it. It has like, um, you know, the tin can be used as cooking or it can be a reflective device. It's got like the whole shebang, right? Uh, And what's it called? Disc. Um, I think it says SAS survival kit on it.
0: You ordered it online or what?
1: No, I got that from my dad, I think.
0: Huh. I'll have to look into one of those. That'd be good to have in the
1: truck. Beauty. And you can just slide it under the seat of your truck. It's just like a big metal hockey puck and just you just forget about it. But I also, you know, I also carry like a road, like one of the standard roadside first aid kits in the back of my truck. It's got yeah. a wool blanket and standard first aid. Yeah, you yeah. I've got a know. couple
0: blankets in there too, and but I don't have all that other stuff. I think that'd be good to have. Yeah,
1: we just never know what's gonna happen. No, right? you don't. Yeah, you don't know if you're gonna come across somebody that's had an accident. You don't know. You know, God forbid it happens to you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you just never know. you got to be prepared for whatever whatever comes your way.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I'll be picking one of those up for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, some quick clot and a survival kit. There we go. Well, let's wrap her up, man. Yeah, keep, uh, keep sending us some stories. They're... Uh They're a good topic to talk about.
0: Yeah, you know what, guys? We love the interacting on social media. Um, So if you see a post that you can relate to, be sure to comment. And, uh, you know, it it gives us a little extra to chat about on these podcasts. And, uh, yeah, keep listening. Keep sharing our stuff. Subscribe. And, uh, you know, we have got a couple of big giveaways, too, for some free stuff coming up here. So uh, stay tuned to our page and our podcast. Right on. Awesome. Thanks for listening.